0: Let's take our Bibles together to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, as he's going to get into the chapter, he's going to talk about the failure of God's people and how they need to have revival in their lives because of all of the failures that they have done but he begins chapter 9 recalling what God has done and reminding them what God has done and Alan Redpath said this he said reflection on the goodness of God is a principle of revival. He believed that there would not be revival until the people of God started reflecting on how good God really had been. There is a time to get into the how bad that we have been, but the reflection on how good he has been. You know, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But if we never see the goodness of God, maybe that's why we don't repent enough. Maybe that's why our hearts aren't broken enough. We're, not, we're failing to see all that He has really done. And so we, as we're going through this text, we've already seen the great things that God, who God is, and the great things that He did with Abraham. And now as we continue, we've arrived in verse number 9. He changes the story from what God did with Abraham, not just the praising the God of Abraham, but, but praising the God of the Red Sea and the one that, re, that delivered them from Egypt. And these are our verses tonight. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says, by the way, let's stand. You know what I did when I was out there? I made them stand for a while. I said, I'm getting back at Brother Hang, Joel Haynes down here making everybody stand while i They laughed. They thought that was really funny. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says, And didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardest their cry by the Red Sea, and showedest signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and on all his servants, and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them, so didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou had sworn to give them. All that he's addressing God. God, you did this. You know, God knows he did that. But he's recounting it for his own heart, And they are recounting it for the hearts of all those that stand by to reflect on how great our God is. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray you'd have your way. Give us what you want us to have. Feed us with food convenient for us. Stir our hearts by thy Spirit. May there be not one soul here, Lord, that holds out on you tonight. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. First thing I want to point your attention to in verse number 9. It said, And didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardest their cry by the Red Sea. Middle of the verse 10, For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. The first thing I want you to see and reflect upon in your own life and in the life of the nation of Israel here is that God saw, God heard, and God knew everything that was going on in their lives. You know, sometimes I think we we have the idea maybe God's not watching and God's not looking and God doesn't see what I'm going through. And he said, you know, verse 9... You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. You saw what was happening to them. Would you hold your finger there and go to Exodus? And we'll see that real quickly in Exodus chapter 2. The great deliverance of the children of Israel occurred because God was noticing. God was viewing what was happening in their lives. God was seeing the day-to-day hardships that they faced. Exodus chapter 2. The Bible says in verse number 23. And it came to pass in process of time. That the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel. Sighed. By reason of the bondage. And they cried. And their cry came up unto God. By reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant. With Abraham. With Isaac. And with Jacob. Watch verse 25. And God looked. "...upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them." Look at chapter 3, verse 7. "...and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows." What a verse. Verse 9. "...now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is, Come unto me." I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse number 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt, what a great comforting consolation of heart that God sees and God knows and God hears. You know, but here, here's what happens is if we really believe that God sees and God knows and God hears, then we, we ask the question, well, why isn't he doing anything about it? Well, the answer to that is you need to hold on. God never gets in a hurry. He didn't, he didn't ever get in a hurry. I've tried to hurry him up a few times. He just never paid he said, well, I, well, If he sees the condition I'm in, why I didn't he do anything? Well, you know, sometimes he can see deeper than what you can see. Sometimes he can see even some things about you you don't see. What about all the injustice in the world? God sees it. What about all the heartache in in the world? God knows about it. You say, well, why why didn't He do anything? Well, the the first thing about this story is that God didn't just see what was going on, and God just didn't know what was going on. They cried out to Him about it, and He heard them. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are open unto the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. Or the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ears are open to the prayers. He's looking at us, but he's also listening for us. He's listening for us. He's listening for the right cry. And sometimes the cry isn't that I'm just in pain. Sometimes the cry is, Lord, I need your help. You know, there's a lot of people that are in pain, and they're they're not willing to cry out for help for it. There's a lot of people that are in a bad way, but they're not going to cry out to God to help their bad way. And I will say this, you know, God will always do right. And there are so many things that we don't know. And there's been times in my life, God, you know what's going on and you see what's going on. And you see the problem and you see the injustice. Lord, come on now, do something about it. But but I'm always leaning on the fact that my God is right And my understanding is insufficient. And my knowledge is so limited. And God, whatever bigger plan he has, is better than what I think the situation and how it ought to be resolved. But I'm convinced he sees me. And that in itself should be a consolation. Because God's going to make all rights wrong. He's going to look. God sees you. You know, we often preach that about God sees you, so don't do bad. And that's true. He sees you. By the way, he sees what you're doing to other people, too, the making them afflicted. Yes, you know, he only sees people in affliction, he watches who's doing it. Right. Yeah. And by the way, sometimes we reap what we sow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's something nobody, nobody ever wants to accept, you know. Certainly, what I'm going through now would not be because of something I've sowed in my past. That would never cross my mind, would it? we do reap what we sow but the consolation is that god sees it he knows all about it and he knows more about it than i know about it and he's listening he's listening for my cry i'm hurting i'm lonely i'm in pain i don't know what to do i'm confused this is unjust man i I got to think about some of those navajos out there guys i'm telling you the grace of God works, and the peace of God works, and the power of God works. And some of those poor Navajo people have been through things that you could never even contemplate. And they're sitting in church with a smile, with a family that you would think there's nothing wrong with. How is that possible? Somewhere down the low down the way the Lord heard their feeble cry. I'm so glad God can hear my cry. You say, "Well, I cried, nothing happened." Well, cry again. Cry out to Him again. Maybe He'll just He He, he responds to them here. I don't know how long that went on. But he knew all about it and he saw. It. He saw it not just in Egypt, but our text said that he heard their cry by the Red Sea. He didn't just hear their cry when they were in bondage. He, hear, he heard their cry when they were in desperation, when there was nowhere to go. He heard their cry at the Red Sea. But you know, here, here's the thing. God, and they they even started blaming God for that. They they called, you know, we you brought us out here in this wilderness to kill us. They started blaming God. And God's saying, Hey, doofus, I brought these people out here to chase you so I could kill all of them. Isn't that something? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, we're in desperation. We don't know what to do. They're all there. They're going to kill us. Why did you do this? What a mistake it was to listen to you and follow Moses. God is just saying, I hear you cry. He says, Moses, tell the people to move forward. Boy, what a statement. I mean, they're at the edge of the Red Sea. And Moses said, hey, everybody, move forward. There's a sea. You talk about faith. How can you move forward when there's a sea there? Well, God says, I'm just going to divide the sea. See, I got, you know, probably in nobody's mind there that day. It's not like they had watched wh- wh- what's the actor? Thank Charleston Charlton Hest- Charleston Heston. Yes, you watch TV. Thank you, Brother Paul. <laughs> It's not like they had watched Charlton Heston. It's unheard of. It, it was something that was the farthest thing from their mind. That, that There's no way. I mean, this, this is all locked up. It's all over with. But see, God, God, God can do things you don't even think about. He's got plans that have never even entered into your brain. He said, tell them to move forward. I hear their cry. I know what's going on. I'm not shocked, I'm not surprised, I'm not in desperation. Aren't you glad God's never confused? Aren't you glad that God doesn't ever turn to to one of the angels and say, what are we going to do? He said, I know what's going on. You know, that'll be a consolation to your heart. You know, a lady that, that seemingly had such an injustice placed upon her, would you turn over there to Genesis 16 just a minute? You know that story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar there. I, you know, we usually preach about Abraham's, you know, listening to his wife and giving in to his wife and all that. You know, you, you need to see that. I'll, I'll get my own Bible, I guess. And, oh, we talk about Sarah, you know, and her lack of faith. And we preach all that out of that text. My question is, who cares about Hagar. Here's this woman just doing a job in the house. And all of a sudden, they come up with this plan for Abraham to have a baby by her. They didn't ask her. Do you see a little bit of a problem there? And so they take that that handmaid there, of Sarah, and they concoct this plan. And the hurt that's going to happen in her life because of something that was not her idea and was not her choice and was not her decision. You listen to me. She is at the mercy of what other people are doing to her. Are you listening to me? And the Bible says in verse 4, And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had uh, conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes, and Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee; I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But guys, do you think she would love her after taking her husband? Guys, this is a rough story. This is a heartbreak story. Verse 6. But Abram said, I mean, we think, oh, that Hagar, she's all excited about this. This is a a hurtful story in her life. She's not excited about this. 6. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her. Look at it. Do to her as it pleases thee. Do whatever you want to do to her. What my idea anyway, lady? Man, and when Sarah dealt hardly with her, I don't even know what that means. What? What did she do? She did what you told her to do, and now you're punishing her and bringing all this judgment down upon her head because of what you did. She dealt hardly with her. So what'd she do? She fled from her faith. She's so scared. She's so hurt. She runs away. And the angel of the Lord found her. <laughs> yes, <I appreciate> <laughs> Woo! Yes, the angel of the Lord found her. Yes. She wasn't too too desperate a situation that God couldn't find her. Yes. She wasn't too desperate that God couldn't help her. Yes. Nobody's, nobody knows what's just happened in this house and nobody knows what, what's happened to me and, and all this stuff that I'm having to bear. But God knew all about it. The, God knows all about it. Yep. the angel of the Lord found her by a, a fountain of water in the wilderness by a fountain in the way to shear. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. Mm, this is rough, guys. I don't want to preach Genesis 16. There's just a lot there. A lot of times we want to run away from our problems, but we don't. It would be easier for let God to sustain us in our problem. Nine, the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. That it shall not be numbered for multitude. You know, the only other person God said that to was Abraham. And now he's saying it to a woman. (laughs) You know what? I think God saw her plight. You know, Sarai, she doesn't want to bless you. She did not want to help you. Abraham doesn't care anything about you. He's all upset about the situation. But Hagar, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to bless you seed. I'm going to take care of this situation. 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son. Almost like he's announcing it to her. And shalt call his name Ishmael. That's a pretty good thing when God names your kid for you. I'd say he's sort of interested in this boy. Now, I know, I know your mind's running. Well, yeah, but that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, but God cared about this woman. And evidently God cared about this little boy because he named him. Because, watch it. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Look at verse thirteen. I love this. And she called the name of the. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Thou God seest me. <laughs> For she said, "Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called." Beer, Lehi, Roy. She called the name of the angel. She called the name of God, Thou God seest me. In other words, she's saying, Nobody else knows about me. Nobody else cares about me. There's not a person in the world that gives a flip about what I'm going through. But God, you have seen me, you have heard me, and you have found me. Amen. <clears throat> and I tell you what, it's not just, just Hagar. It's anybody in this world that has an interest that will turn to God in their need, in their affliction. He knows, he sees, he hears. Go back to our text, not only that. Boy, how many times has God seen you through your life? Knew what was happening. Heard you cry. There's a song in that old red book. He heard my... He, what, what is it? I know he heard my prayer. I, he my prayer. I like that one. Yeah. I like to run around the, outside in the yard when I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. He heard my cry. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 10. But he didn't just hear and he didn't just know and he didn't just see... Then he started doing something. Verse 10, And showed his signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and on all his servants, and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them, so didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and their persecutors out. Throughest into the deeps as a stone and in the mighty waters. You see, now we've moved from God seeing to God knowing and God hearing. And now God's showing Himself and doing things about it. The Lord's arm is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. And though they had no way out of their bondage and affliction, God says, watch what I can do, Pharaoh, and and, and look at all these signs and wonders that I'm going to do in your sight. God is still that powerful God that can do things that we know not. He not only did signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, He did it upon all of His servants and all the people of the land. And not only did he did that, those signs, wonders, and miracles in the land of Egypt to, let, to, let, to get him to let the people go. But you know, here's the thing. He, he could have got the people out of, of Egypt without doing all that stuff. But he did all that stuff for a reason. You know, sometimes God lets us get down the bottom of a barrel. So that he can show how great a power he has and do things. So then somebody else might get help more than just you. Watch this now. He takes them down. Our text says that he he did divide, verse 11, the sea before them. So they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. Out there in the reservation, they they have a tough time when it rains. And it it rained quite a bit out there. It'll come and then it'll just go. But when it rains there, the the roads are so muddy. It's not like all the roads are paved, you know. And I, I mean, people get stuck. I mean, I saw four wheel drive truck stuck everywhere when it rains that all that dirt out there in Arizona it just turns to mud and nothing moves you know when you take a red sea and you divide it what do you got and they stepped down in there and it was dry the miracle was not just god parting the red sea the miracle is that dirt's dry <laughs> what a big god what can he do what can he do for you? Yes, yes. Made that sea divide. Made the, the, the land dry. He had to make it dry. Not, not to get them across so all them chariots could come in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could drive all their wheels off. And so he could kill all of them. Yeah. But I'd like to been I hope God will rewind that. and Let yeah, us watch that. Mm. Yeah. So I can just hoot and holler on it. Yeah. you know. Amen. Yeah, yeah. What God did. They didn't do that. Moses didn't do that. I'd like to have seen Moses' face when that. Raise the rod. Okay, okay, I'll raise the rod. (laughs) Wow. And just as dry as cracker juice down there. Amen. What a God. Doesn't he make any sense. What's he done for you? What could you believe him to do for you? But here's what I said just a minute ago. Sometimes God gets us down at the bottom of the barrel, not just to help us. He can help us easy. He did not have to to divide the Red Sea to get them out of their mess. He could have put that wall of fire. Remember that wall of fire? He could have put that wall of fire up way before the Red Sea and just held back Pharaoh until they got to the promised land. He had a bigger plan. He wanted them to chase them. He wanted them to get to the cliff's edge. He wanted His people to get in a seeming place of desperation. Why? Not just for their deliverance, but for other people's deliverance. Look at the verse. Oh, how wonderful the Bible is. 10. And showed his signs and wonders upon Pharaoh and on all his servants and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them... Watch it, watch it. So didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. You know what was more important than them being delivered from Egypt and more important for them to get across that Red Sea? That God's name was glorified and that the power of God and the person of God, a testimony would be for Him for thousands of years. This is the God of the Red Sea. And you know what that did? It not only helped those people in that day, it helped a lot of other people. You know who it helped? Remember when those spies came in the land? They came in the land and they found themselves at Rahab's house. And Rahab says, I've heard about that name. We've all heard about that name. We've all heard about that great God. We've heard about what he's done in Egypt. We've heard about what he's done in the Red Sea. It just wasn't about getting out of Egypt, it was about showing the world what a great God he was. He could get Rahab out of Jericho. <laughs> He can get you out of his sin, your sins. It's not just about you. It's about the other people that, want, that God wants to help when he does deliver you out of your desperation. However, he does that. Didst thou get thee a name? God wants to show this world a testimony of a real God. Guys, listen. If the deliverance was just about getting them out of their problem, it would be man-centered. If God's deliverance is just getting us out of our situation, it's all humanistic. It's all about man. But the world and life is not about man. It's about God. And getting the children of Israel out of Egypt and delivering them was about God getting himself a name. So that some poor Navajo can say, well, if you did that at the Red Sea, I guess you can help me in my plight. What God did. I like in the verse 11, he Says, their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps <laughs> as a stone into the mighty waters. I mean, he, he, he took Pharaoh, he just threw them. Threw them like you throw a pebble in the water. That's what God can do to, to our enemies. And by the way, there are worldwide plagues coming. Yes. Yes. And I'm not talking about COVID, worldwide plagues. Just like the plagues of Egypt, but they're worldwide plagues. Thank God the church will be gone during that great day of the tribulation. But the worldwide plagues are coming. But watch it. You know why they're coming? They're not just coming to help Israel again. And they're not just coming to destroy the wicked again. They're coming, amen. So at the end of the tribulation, somebody's going to say, Worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Look how big God is. It's about His name still. Well, verse number twelve, we'll just cut it off like baloney. When you get tired and bored, just stick your tongue out at me and we'll finish it. Those Navajos like preaching. I think one of them, one of them came to me. I got we got through preaching. We had we had a pretty long service. I think we got out on Friday night. I think the service ended about 10 30. You know what then what they did? They went and ate. <laughs> And just stuck around. Oh, Navajo man came up to me. He said, you come again. Next time you come, give you Indian name. (laughs) I thought, man, that's great. I'm exaggerating the accent a little bit, but it helped the story. (laughs) Verse 12. Moreover, thou lettest them. Look at all these things God did. Thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar and in the night by a pillar of fire. To give them light in the way wherein they should go. God not only saw and he knew and he heard and he showed himself and he did so many things. But he also led them. guys. You understand that it would, you know what a tragedy it would have been if Moses Moses had led a million plus people out of Egypt, but they don't know where to go. That's like us in our lives, all of us in our lives. We don't know where to go. And there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end there are the ways of death. We don't know where to go. We don't have that wisdom. We don't have that understanding. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. Pharaoh and all, that they're all dead. Glory to God. And they turn around and say, where do we go? God says, I got that taken care of too. I'm going to lead you. But you know God doesn't drive you. He leads you. You know, as a pastor, I've, I've tried to live that way. I understand what the Bible says about a pastoral authority in my position. I understand that. I'm, I'm not interested in driving people. I just say this is the way I think God wants us to go. It's a leadership. You don't have to go that way. You don't have to go God's way. Here's the cloud. He says, here we go. It's in the daytime. Look up there and see that cloud. There, there you go. And in the nighttime, oh, it's dark. What do we do? There's, there's a pillar of fire. Can't miss that at night. You know, the problem was, they did, was not they didn't know where to go. The problem is they didn't want to follow. Isn't that right? They got in that wilderness and when they do? Moses doesn't know where he's going. There's a cloud. Hey, man, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. It's going that way. Okay, let's guess we'll go that way. I mean, Moses. Moses is just going where the clouds going. Moses is just going where the pillar of fire is going. It will follow God that way. It's not that we don't know how to go or where to go. Usually, it's the problem is we don't want to follow. We want to lead, and God doesn't want you to lead. He wants you to follow. We want to get out in the front and say, God, I'm going this way. What a joke. You don't know where you're going. He knows the way. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I've got to do is follow. And God knows the way of your Christian life. All you've got to do is follow. But you'll mess it up when you start doubting the cloud and the pillar. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. The Holy Ghost is not going to beat you upside the head and say, Don't do that. and You can't do that. He's not going to stop you. I think some Christians think, Well, if God doesn't stop me, I'm going to do it. You're stupid. That's not the way to live the Christian life. The Spirit of God. Try If you've got a relationship with Him if you walk with Him, if you talk with Him, if you yield to Him, the Spirit of God says, hey, you need to go this way. And all you're doing is, is following. You're letting Him lead. You're letting Him lead. Are you letting Him lead? And all you have to do is look to Him. Are you, are you allowing Him to lead? Quit trying to figure it out yourself and let Him lead. He knows where you are. Let Him lead you. Where He leads me, I will follow. I'll go with Him. With Him. All the way. Lord, I I just have to know that, that Your Spirit, I just have to know that Your will Is this way for my life? And and I'll just follow. I don't care where you're even going. But that's, see, that's the problem. We want to let, we want God to tell us where he's going. And then we want to make up our minds whether or not that's where we want to go. And that's not life. Guys, the steps of my life, I would have never dreamed all the steps they've taken. I would have not even thought half of them would have been made the way they are. And God never revealed them to me. It was day by day by day. Can you imagine the children of Israel getting up in the morning? Maybe Korah, Dathan, and Byron going to Moses. All right, Moses, we want to know the plan for the next 10 days. Tell us. We, we, show it to us on the map. Moses said, man, I don't know. I'm going to go get up in the morning. I'm going to follow that cloud. That's not good enough. We've got to know. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to get up in the morning and go where he wants us to go. Amen. That's, good. That's good. And do what he wants us to do. And just follow him. You don't have to, guys, you don't have to figure it out. You've got to follow him. Right. Yes. Yes. You don't have to understand it. You've got to follow him. You've got to trust him. He knows the wilderness. He knows the promised land. He sees you. He knows you. He hears you. He's powerful enough to do all kind of things to make it happen. But none of that's going to be true in your life if you don't follow him. Have you decided to follow Jesus? What if he wants to take you somewhere you don't want to go? And by the way, he already knows that. He already knows if we don't want to go where He wants us to go.